Okay, here we go. Nice and quiet. Sound speeds, camera rolling. Holding for sound. Last looks. Calling for last looks. And set and action. I need to swap batteries. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, the podcast about the struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bissell. I'm Liz Manichel. And this is episode 253 of the show, and this week we welcome our fellow filmmaker and friend, Andrew Schrader, to talk about the effects of the coronavirus on us filmmakers as we quarantine ourselves. Um, But before we talk to Andrew, Liz, how are you doing? I'm okay. Um, I've got a cold. (laughs) (laughs) So you have you have coronavirus, basically. I mean, is what you're that is my fear. I my best friend is a hypochondriac, and so I haven't even told her that I have a cold because I'm just she's very judgy. <laughs> she's very judgy right. that we've been out of the house at all. She's very judgy that we went and picked up groceries one day. Oh um, no! Yeah, <laughs> um, you have but, to get groceries. Come on. <laughs> um, but she thinks I'm. I mean, it's a valid fear. It's a valid fear. But I also need eggs. Um, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, um, just before this all hit, I was working on a movie, on another movie. So I got back and like literally as soon as I got back from working on Red Snow, uh, this whole thing happened. And when we were on Red Snow, it was kind of like a joke. But then South by Southwest got canceled. And then it was like things started getting canceled in a big way. And then when I got back, it was like, oh, wait, we're now we're going to be like shelter in place and stuff. Oh, gosh. This is, I mean, genuinely, this is very weird. Like, all jokes aside, this is, this is like a little panic attack every single day. Like, you cannot leave. I, w- I made some joke on Twitter, like, I'm an introvert control freak, where, like, I really do want to stay inside, but I don't want anyone to tell me I have to stay inside. And, like, every day it's, like, facing your control issues. Like, I can't go outside. I can't like do anything I want to do for the risk of the like nation uh this is a bad segue that I'm going into I'm just saying I want to acknowledge that this is very very hard I've been staying inside and because I'm a homebody anyway so like you know catching up on video games and watching movies and I have a whole movie to edit too that all aside I think we should get to our first segment of the day which is our news segment Um, and briefly you know like we already kind of talked about what we're doing very roughly Liz what have you been doing, like, you know, since, like, right before the, the, the coronavirus hit and since it hit? Uh, before it hit, we shot a short called Lena. We're in post on that right now. We're almost oh, at picture nice. lock. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm very, very proud of it. Um, and we're about to start working with our composer. And then um, we set dates for feature three, Lady Parts, and that'll be June. It starts mid-June. It ends the last week of July. So... We've talked to our one attached cast member, and she's fine going forward in June. So we're just crossing our fingers that we'll get to do that. It's exciting. It's so great that like to have something in post right now. It's like the perfect time to be it in is. post on a project. <laughs> I feel so lucky. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a whole feature to edit. This is great. Lock me in my room. Go away. <laughs> you're so you're so positive. I mean, I think that it's really good to get out of your head when you're in post. And when we're sheltering in place, it's very hard to get a different perspective. So I I very, I don't know. Again, I'm an introvert. I just want to be told it's okay to go outside and then I will stay inside willingly. So I'm just looking forward to that. <laughs> it's okay to go outside, Liz, as long as you're six feet away from someone else. No that's, problem. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> Thanks, Elric. 
So uh, on to, uh, you know, actual news. Um, no Film School has a really interesting article about uh, COVID-19 and how to uh, recover lost income as a filmmaker is their clickbaity title. The first, like, two-thirds of this article are all about how you can, like, apply to go on uh, unemployment and disaster relief fund and all these other things where you can like squeeze money out of the government. I think they're working on it. It just hasn't been approved yet in terms of the 1K or 2K stipend that people are suggesting, right? It's It's currently being voted on, I think, in the news right now. But here's where I think it actually gets interesting. Like, there's some suggestions for getting creative with your side hustle, and this is kind of just stuff that you do like during the winter, this or like when you're slow. Um, but they're just saying, pitch yourself to clients, upload your films to new platforms, convert yourself to online events. Well, that's what we're doing. We're, I mean, like, so I, I work at a place called Picture Motion, and our whole thing is people convening in a room to watch a movie and then have a call to action at the end of the movie to create, like, social or cultural change because of that movie. Like, write your congressperson at the community center screening or, you know, stop using, commit to stop using disposable utensils or whatever it is. Um, So we have to change our entire business model at my job to push and integrate virtual events. That's so interesting that it brings that up. So yeah, like, and you could see all these film festivals that are going to virtual screenings or webinars. I mean, this is like a real, like, we have the technology, we have the power, right? But it's just a major pivot for a lot of people. It's really interesting. Like if you've been under living under a rock, you know, you know that all the film festivals have gotten canceled. Movies are getting canceled. Uh, you know, theaters are shut down. I mean, I'm sure this is all common knowledge for people at this point. Uh, but yeah, I think virtual screenings are a good way to get around that. Like stage 32, they did a whole thing um, trying to get uh, South by Southwest films to like uh, whatever uh, executives, producers, production companies to like kind of lessen the blow against filmmakers who are affected by the the film festival being shut down because that's like kind of a huge thing. Imagine like if your feature film or even your first feature film was like set to premiere at, at South by Southwest and then the, suddenly <laughs> the festival gets canceled, it would be like like the worst thing ever as a filmmaker it'd be terrible but like in terms of like the economics film economics i don't think it's a massive deal um controversial statement coming up uh they already made the announcements you have the laurel sales agents reps are going to get in contact with you if they want to see this movie you know is it really going to impact you like yeah maybe if you sell out that massive theater and you get like standing ovation that would certainly contribute to the buzz around your film but um those are rare cases those are outliers so yes it's i think it's more just like a bummer it's just a bummer for those filmmakers who felt really good and felt like they were picked to be a part of like, you know, homecoming court and then now have to be kicked off the stage. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to, to hear from filmmakers who are in this situation uh, if that is actually true. Like if these uh, if life goes on, if like they're still getting offers and deals for their films or if like not being able to see it in front of an audience and have an audience respond uh, while the buyers are in the room, if that's going to really change things, you know, and hopefully we'll have an episode or two with some filmmakers who had movies that were uh, going to be played at South by Southwest uh, before it got canceled. So 
we'll see see what those people have to say in the future. Um, but I think I have a lot more to say about this, obviously, but we'll just talk about this in the main uh, meat of the episode when Andrew joins us. Uh, but yeah, I think we should go on to our next segment, the mailbag. So this is an email from a really good friend of the show. Uh, I don't think he's actually ever been on the show before, or maybe has he? I don't know. He could have been. Like he's, he's a, true, a hero. He designed our logo. He, I, <laughs> I, I'd like only met him once and I adore him. He's, he's uh, written into the show before we've re- read his emails on the show in the past. Um, his name is Lucas Colshaw. He's a really, really wonderful person. Um, he's also a fellow filmmaker. Uh, he wrote us a really wonderful email um, and he had a question in it. And the question is, uh, I am in the stage of posts where I'm prepping to send the current cut of a film to a few select people whose opinion I trust to give feedback and notes. My question is, what do you think are the most valuable questions to include in the survey to optimize this process for a better edit? I have a screening survey that I stole from my last boss. Um, and if he's not listening, then I am free to give it out to Lucas and will do so after we record this. But I also just wanted to say that I use test screenings as a way to figure out log lines. And if you um, create a survey, you could do like SurveyMonkey or Google, you know, Google polls or Google surveys. And one of the questions is, you know, describe the film in one sentence. You could start aggregating ideas for your log line, which I think are just such a pain to write. So I've never done that before. That's a great idea to like get people to work for you um, through this survey. That's amazing. Um, what I've always done in the past, it's always been very uh, film uh, specific and cut specific even. Like I always uh, tailor the questions to try to solve an issue that I'm having with the movie without blatantly asking people what that issue is. Um, but some of the standard questions I like to include are like, what was the part that you, um, you know, you're most bored in, um, what was the part that you like the, like you were most excited by, um, you know, uh, was there anything that you felt like you were missing or did you feel like you understood the story? It's like some, those kinds of really general questions, but it's really like, like I kind of design my questionnaire specifically around the cut to try to like solve a problem I'm having. So if it's like, like I'll ask a question, something like, did you understand uh, this? Or uh, what did you think when character did the character did this, you know, or whatever. And it's all kind of like trying to design to figure out, like, did people really understand like what I was trying to um, convey in a certain moment even. Um, And, and kind of like have those, those kinds of like really specific questions among the more uh, general like questions, you know, um, but yeah, do you have like a question or two that you always put on a survey that you really like? I think I, I like to ask what are the three, you know, what are your three favorite scenes and what are the three scenes that weren't as impactful? Um, or even you don't have to give a number. You could say like, what are your favorite scenes? Because I think, um, they're going to give, people are going to give harsh feedback because you're asking for it and you need to hear it. But I always feel really good. There's like this saying that it's like a, a good movie or a great movie is like three good scenes and no bad scenes or something. And so it's a nice like reality check when you see that people like more than one scene in your film. Um, so it's say strong scenes, weak scenes, um, same thing for characters. Would you recommend this to a friend? Would you recommend it to a stranger? Um, and then I'd ask about genre because 
I remember making Speed of Life the whole time I thought I was making a sci-fi film. And then I realized through polling of my friends that it was fantasy. It was fantasy. So, yeah. you know, it's like you're a lot of you get a little bit of um, you get short sighted when you're immersed in your own film. And it's good to get the context uh, from others sometimes. Yeah, that's a great suggestion to do. Um you know, like the genre question, like what genre do you think this movie is? I think that's a really great idea <laughs> because, yeah, maybe you think you're making one movie and you're actually making another type of movie. I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen to me with the alternate. I'm, I'm almost certain. <laughs> um, yeah. Any other last things to say about this? I thought this was a really good question. And I, it's something I should be thinking about because I haven't really done uh, like a test screening in a long time. Um, usually, like I'll just send uh, cuts to people for feedback like from specific people but for a while my first few movies i was like obsessed with the test screening i just thought it was like the greatest thing so i did it a lot like five six years ago um my last pieces of advice i mean are a um when when all of this is over and hopefully it will end at some point um have it in your living room have a screening in your living room don't rent out a screening room unless you have the budget it's just it's like a, you can use that money for post-production and a lot of people like just waste a lot of funds putting hundreds of thousands of dollars into one focus group and I just think personally in a micro budget world that's ridiculous um, and B do not ask too many directors for notes it will blow hmm. back at you it uh, it, blow, it blew back at me <laughs> and, um, and then you'll have a lot of people who will give advice on how they would have made the film rather than helping you solve the problems so um, I would say get editors in the room get production designers get people from all throughout the uh, film industry get non-film people and get strangers um try to lean uh not too much on other directors i would say like sometimes i'll say even before i ask for advice like i can't do reshoots i'm not doing any reshoots i have to work with what i have you know and like that sometimes i think that's really is, good yeah it's helpful because then people know like they can't give crazy ass advice we're like well you should have a scene where you know the son goes to the the the, the great grandmother and blah blah it's like you can't no, like that doesn't exist. Um, anyways, I think we cover this. Great question. Thanks so much, uh, Lucas, for uh, sending that over to us. Um, so, yeah, I think it's time to get into our next segment. You've probably noticed we've got a new format to the show, and it was suggested that we should shine even more of a light on female filmmaking voices. So we've created this new segment where we give female identifying filmmakers a prompt and let them tell a story in their own voice. This week's prompt was, how are you surviving COVID-19 as a filmmaker? I hope you enjoy. Hey, I'm Ashley Maria, the director of Pioneers in Skirts. It's a feature documentary about what ambitious women are confronted with in their careers and what do we do to change it? What do we do to work together to get rid of those biases that women are confronted with that start playing a role in girls as young as six years old? So you can see this is a very action-based film. We really need to have um, impact with it, conversations. We launched it this year. Women's History Month was supposed to be our really big screening month. We had screenings, two or three screenings a week all around the globe. So you can imagine when the coronavirus was really taking hold, especially in the U.S., it was that first week of March. So luckily we got one screening out of the way, but then everything else was starting to get postponed. And I, you know, as an independent filmmaker, that was that was the goal. That was something that I've been working towards 
literally for years. And so seeing it all just be swept away so quickly, it was really heartbreaking. And seeing just, you know, I was going to travel to speak and I was going to meet with students and I was going to actually do the thing that I've been working towards. And so it was tough. It took me a few days, I guess, to kind of come to terms with it, really. With the outbreak of coronavirus, really, it, it kind of just threw my world upside down. And I'm not sure where my next round of income is going to come from. I uh, usually work on set in production, and there's rumors that maybe July is when we'll all get back to it. So that's a few months of I have no idea. <laughs> and then speaking opportunities can be done virtually, so I'm hoping that starts to pick up again. Um, but what's good is my producer on Pioneers and Skirts jumped right into solution mode. So while I was in Los Angeles going, what the heck? She was in North Carolina saying, what do we do? And that was really a driving force that helped me as well. We created a pioneer at home screening opportunity so that families, while they're social distancing, can actually watch the movie together. Because like I said, the film needs to be talked about. There needs to be discussion afterwards. It brings up so many emotions and feelings, and um, and that's what we wanted. So um, we're creating that with the pioneer at home so that families can talk with their kids. And then we're going to start reaching out to businesses again who are all working remotely. I mean, right now, companies are still just trying to figure out how they're supposed to move forward. I think about midweek when we were all in our really our first week of quarantine, I started this little project where I was interviewing people from around the world about what they're going through as they deal with the coronavirus outbreak and all of a sudden changes. Um, And I think that was kind of, it turned into more therapy for me to just talk to other people about what's going on and the theories that we all have, the misinformation, just to hear really globally, we're all confronted with the same problem and we're all managing it fairly similarly. So it was, I think that's been nice to use my, my skills as a documentary filmmaker to start these interviews. I still have to edit them. We're only a few days in, but I look forward to sharing those with people because maybe it'll help others. I mean, that's why I started making Pioneers and Skirts. It was a film that I needed. And so here we are. We have interviews that I needed. So as you can see, uh, we have a business strategy for how we're going to handle this. And then personally, creatively, I'm working through these interviews and then also just figuring out how can I tap into my creative side while a lot of stuff is still unsure. This is our audience building and distribution segment. Liz, what do you got for us today? Audience distribution, yeah. So basically, we wanted to do a new segment where, um, I guess I, but it really should be both of us, um, share tips on how to build audiences and, and how to navigate distribution in a healthy, sustainable, outside-of-the-box way. And I think I was pegged for this mainly because I worked at Sundance uh, in the creative distribution sphere, and I work in impact distribution right now. So for our inaugural episode in this new format, I thought it would be best to share an overarching piece of advice that has to do with marketing and distribution. Uh, Something I say regularly to people is prepare to be disappointed 
So there's like a real lack of data out there to detail how indie filmmakers are doing financially and emotionally, by the way. Um, and that paired with being in the midst of a pandemic where social distancing is encouraged and where we're not really um, able to forewall or do theatrical campaigns or semi-theatrical or community screenings. And we're all kind of stuck in the VOD world um, where there's not a light of data transparency in general, uh, we are in a time of chaos. So if you happen to be releasing a film at this precise moment, prepare uh, to be a little bit disappointed by the numbers and by uh, the experience because our creativity is a little bit hampered right now. And I would start thinking of what are some ways where you can rejuvenate your campaign after the pandemic? And what are ways where you can invent ties when we're allowed to get together? Maybe as soon as we're no longer sheltering in place, you could have a massive screening party with all your friends and family, and it could be a reunion and a celebration of all the work you've done. Um, there are ways to make distribution and marketing personal and fun and exciting. Um, and I'd probably give this advice even if we weren't in a pandemic. Be prepared to be dis disappointed by the financial returns of your film. It's never going to be what you want it to be. And um, always lean on the fact that you're making movies to be happy too. And um, always look to the next project. It's a very long game. Whew, there we go. Well, I have a couple of questions. So one, like, you know, now that we're all locked indoors and uh, if you're doing a primarily digital release, like, and, and a lot of probably digital marketing as well, like, does this really change much for you if you're releasing a movie um, that's like a VOD release only all on streaming platforms or whatever? Like, shouldn't you just be like hitting it hard on Facebook and social media and like sending emails to people and like directing people to watch your movie? Because people have like nothing but time right now. Well, uh, like, that's not perfect true. time to <laughs> rent a movie. I know you have a lot of time. I have like less time now. But that's anecdotal, right? And so what I'm trying to harp on about is like, we have no data. We have no data on whether people are actually open to trying new content in the middle of a pandemic. We have no data whether people want to support indie filmmaking on VOD in general. Uh, so yes, you could hit it hard on Facebook and digital marketing. That's incredibly important. But it's also been said uh, that people's attention spans are even shorter right now. I mean, we're constantly finding information every single day about how to brace ourselves in the midst of COVID-19. People's health are at risk. They're thinking about their family. They're thinking about their friends. They may not necessarily be wanting to just support you as an artist at this moment. I'm not saying give up. Like, certainly try. Try to promote your release and try, try to promote your films. But just know that, like, there's something bigger happening right now. And people are distracted. And um, they may not be as magnanimous as they normally would be to support indie content. I, I would really actually love to hear from people like, is this like been a disaster? Like, are you getting like nobody buying your movie? Um, and you were expecting like a huge return, like, like better numbers or like you said, we don't have any data, but I wonder if we could get some data from people, like get some sort of feedback. Yeah. And like if distributors, if your distributor is encouraging or if you're encouraging your distributor or your distributor is encouraging pushing back at the release date, I'd love to know that, too. Are Or are they seeing this as a potential opportunity to get people in their living rooms and enjoy the film when they're looking for um, escape? Let us know. 
Yeah, let us know. Um, and I think this is a perfect segue into our, uh, you know, talking about one other thing that we have going on here that people are <laughs> not really paying that much attention to right now is our Patreon page. Uh, if you guys like this show and you want to hear more of it, you can uh, come support us, uh, even with a buck. Like, if you know, I mean, yeah, I know times are tight right now and, you know, uncertainty is in the future and stock market's going down, all this stuff. But, uh, you know, if you like the show and you have a dollar, uh, you could go to patreon.com slash MMIH podcast and uh, support, support the show and uh, help us keep this little uh, ship afloat uh, throughout the future. Also, uh, iTunes reviews are great. If you can't support with a dollar, you know, what costs nothing is the iTunes review. If you guys have questions like Lucas Colshaw did or topic suggestions or anything at all, we'd love to hear from you. And again, our email is podcast at mickeymoviesishard.com. How are you surviving in this uh, new world of being quarantined and everything? Well, it was so fast. It was like it was like one day I was like, oh, I guess you know, there's this thing going around, and then like my girlfriend was like much more on top of this stuff, and she was like, we need to like be taking this seriously, and I was like, oh, okay, and then and then it just was like, okay, uh, everything's shutting down, like. I mean, I, I've been like kind of self isolate, you know, isolating or whatever for a, over a week now. But <laughs> it was—it's just been tough. I didn't have a refrigerator all week, so because oh my god, what broke, did you do? I just ate a lot of fruit and nuts and like oatmeal and you know stuff that I was basically like on a camping diet or backpacking diet. <laughs> and I've also been extremely busy with work. Like a lot of people are shutting down, but my work is like ramped up. Like right. I'm working every day, so it's. It's it's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I, it hasn't been as much wow. of a change. Like the isolation part isn't that bad. The, the biggest part for me is like I can't go climbing at the gym or something. But um, I, I'm busy, like stuck in the house working anyway. So it's I feel kind of like fortunate in that way. I feel like uh, everyone feels the way. Like this is just a funny reminder to me about how on unhealthy I am it's like everyone's like god I can't go climbing or I can't go jogging or like I missed my five week you know five times a week gym class and I'm like oh I should have been doing these things I've done none of these things <laughs> so I'm gonna adapt once coronavirus is done question mark yeah I guess how long is this gonna is this gonna last I mean ugh, I, I really don't know I mean <laughs> I'm looking at it as like a time to be really productive. Last week, like I'm working so much and then trying to just like get food together. Like I I've been really itching to like work on my own stuff and trying to like clear time for it, but it's been it's been tough. But now like I think I hopefully in a spot where I can focus on that a bit more. And for those who don't know you, this is a copywriting work, right? That you're doing from home. Uh, that's what you keep, keep keep being kept busy with. I've got my copywriting job, and then I'm also writing uh, at Cartoon for Cartoon Network. So, oh wow, been working on the second episode, which I'm going to turn in uh, rewrite on today, and then I should be a little. I might have to do one more rewrite, but then it sh might be clear for for a little bit. I don't know if 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 I'm gonna do another episode or not it hasn't been uh i'm not really sure what the deal well, is we should because they're we should probably back up a home. little bit because we didn't um we never talked about this on air yet that like recently you know andrew you've been on the show a lot of times 
But uh, in the last, like, what, three months, you've started writing episodes for this Cartoon Network show. Is that right? Yeah, I've been um, in the writer's room and, and pitching ideas and doing outlines and then writing scripts for a Cartoon Network show. Um, I don't know if I – I don't know what the rules are if I can say the name, so I'll just not do that for now. This is the second episode that I've done, and it's been it's been really fun. It's been great. So when this all happened, Cartoon Network didn't shut down. They're, they're like still having you do rewrites, and they're still having you work on this thing? For the immediate future, everyone, as far as I know on the show, is working remotely. Um, I know that there are like audio records might be happening in the studio, but – but for the most part, it's shut down. And so all the writers are, you know, working from home and taking remote meetings and things. So um, I haven't been in the office since this this started. And I don't know how it's quite going to work moving forward if I continue to, like, write on the show. I think we'll just have to do, like, virtual sessions where we break out stories, you know, over, so you... over the webs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so Andrew, you're currently on salary, right, with with a major network and also doing some additional work. So you financially, you're probably not going to feel anything for the time being, like no real hit. Is that true? Well, I, I'm not on salary at Cartoon Network. They just it's it's on a it's either hourly when I go into the office or it's uh, set rates for outlines and episodes like, you know, IOTSU. They go by IOTSE. So, um, so those are just flat rates for the most part. And then full time, and, and then I, you know, I've always set my copywriting at three days a week so that I have time for other things. And right now, because of the COVID 19, to be specific here, because of that, my actually copywriting has like the company needs a lot more from me. And so, uh, you know, I'm just stepping up and, and doing it more. So it's basically full time for them, plus Cartoon Network um, stuff and then all the other, you know, stuff on my end. So it's it's a lot. And, yeah, I'm not really I'm not taking I, I'm making more money than ever right now because <laughs> stuff's actually gotten crazier for me. I feel really bad for all my friends who are strictly freelance and just having like a, a tough time. You know, it's it's I don't know what's going to happen. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. <laughs> What's up with you guys? I mean, are you Ulrich and Liz? I want to hear what are your situations like? So I, I'm a freelancer. So for me, like I'm, you know, kind of uh, just looking at a big blank, blank slate right now. Uh, I, I was working on a movie um, like the week before this all went down. So I was like in Tahoe. Uh, on this feature, um, you know, getting paid like like almost nothing, but I mean, it was still at least something, which was nice. Um, and then immediately when I got back, I got hired to edit a bunch of videos uh, for one of my clients uh, because of the COVID-19 thing, because they were getting all their meetings canceled and they suddenly needed a distribution video that they could send to their uh, potential distributors for their wine. And so I like was editing like three days straight, like as soon as I got home. So like that happened. And then I got another job that got canceled. But since it got canceled, like within six hours of the shoot, I basically got my uh, full rate on it anyways. So I had like, like these things happen like right before it all went nuts. So I have like a little bit of uh, leeway. Um, and then I keep on hearing rumblings of jobs, but like, 
obviously nothing's really materializing shoot wise. Um, so I'm just kind of hoping that I get some more editing work. Um, but honestly, I don't really give a shit because I should be, <laughs> I should be editing my movie. I have this, this feature, the alternate that I shot uh, in December and I've got about like 25 minutes of it edited together so far. Um, but I've got a whole movie to edit. So I really just need to like turn off everything, which is great. Cause that's what COVID-19 does. Anyways, everything's dead. And you know, uh, I'm getting a lot of text messages from my friends who I don't talk to a lot cause everyone's not doing anything, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm just trying to focus on editing the movie and just giving it all my time. And I, I would love to like come out of this, um, thing, like whenever it ends, who knows, like mid April, May or whatever, uh, with a with a full cut of my feature that would be amazing so I'm just focusing on that every day just keeping my head down and editing on the alternate which is perfect it's like perfect timing like this is a terrible disaster and everything and like really scary but it, it couldn't have really come for a better time for me because I have this thing to do <laughs> if, if, if it came in, in October of last year it would have been a disaster for me but it yeah. came right now it's like oh this is great <laughs> My job, Andrew, is um, I, I work at Impact Distribution and I'm the LA, I'm the only employee in LA in my department um, at Picture Motion. So I'm used to working New York hours and I'm used to working over email and Zoom and Google Hangout, whatever it is. So like my, I'm able to work from home. And so I'm one of the lucky ones, but I'm watching just as we all are, all our friends productions get shut down, you know, after we like my friend Dan Mervish, his feature, I think may have finally been shut down, but he got through like two weeks of a feature shoot. And then um, this girl I know, Clara was about to shoot her first feature and she was set to go and they had to shut down. So just the idea of like, gathering all your budget and all your momentum and gathering all the schedules and then watching it all disappear in front of you. I mean, like I'm supposed to shoot something in June and we're just waiting to see. We're just waiting to see if we get to shoot in June. It felt like a safe time. So we're just like crossing our fingers right now. Oh, wow. Is that a feature? Yeah, it is. But it has to do with like, you know, the invest, you know, investments and um, having something to counter against. So it's like we've got we've been fundraising for over a year. And what do we have to show for it? Well, we've done like a few days on the feature so far, one off days. But in terms of principle, we, we need to get that off as soon as possible. And we're just waiting for COVID to die down. I just I that's just a rough scenario to have to wait and see about shooting i mean i'm glad right. that that you've got everything in order i mean it's so cool that you're and you're you shot another feature already this year right well no i released my second feature in january and then we're um we've been waiting to shoot this feature called lady parts uh for a while um and then right now we're casting but we have offers sent out we sent offers like two days before california was instructed to shelter in place and so we've we're not we're not pinging the agents and managers too much because we think it's just going to be rude and disrespectful because like everyone's dealing with just really horrific scenarios right now. So we're just kind of waiting to see when it is proper to, to reach back out to see if people are interested in coming on board. It's very weird. It's a very weird time. Yeah. Well, I mean, if your movie's in June, I, I wonder what your producer's doing. Like, if, are they, like, lo like securing locations? Are they, like, getting everything completely ready to go? Can they even do that work now? Or are they just basically waiting until, like, May, until things get 
like a little bit more uh, sane where they can actually do that work. We're refining the budget, so we don't even have a final budget yet to work off of because um, ah. we've been doing script revisions. But we finally like as soon as we hit a version of the script that we think we thought we could go out with, we went out with it. And that was, you know, right before COVID struck. So we're budgeting that script right now and then, um, you know, adapting the script to hit to, to fit within the budget that we have, which is kind of my model is you gather as much money as you can, you have the script and then you drop the script for the money that you have in place. Um, and then you just go, it's a, it's not a healthy model, but it's what we do. We have no backup plan right now, but I don't think it's too late for a backup plan. I mean, to de- devise one, I think maybe April or May is when we're going to be in the danger zone for not having a backup plan. Uh, so this is kind of a fun, fun conversation because we're all three, like you said, Liz, in unique situations where like our lives can move on uh, during this COVID-19 thing. Like Andrew seems to be busier than ever. He, you may even get another episode of the show to write potentially because it seems like Cartoon Network's still rolling, even if it's, uh, you know, just from home. Liz, you have a full-time job and a feature that you're probably going to shoot in June. I've got a movie to edit. It's like we're kind of like all three outliers in a way from like what a lot of people are facing right now. Unless maybe we're not. Maybe a lot of people are like this. Like a lot of people are just working from home and lives are no, continuing. I don't no, I don't know. No, it's no? horrible out there. Um, all of is my it, is studio it disaster? friends. Yeah, all my studio friends, their productions are on hiatus and they're going to have to go on unemployment. And uh, I think that's really tough because there we don't know when you know these major films are going to get back on their feet and we don't know i think that's the hardest thing is the question mark right it's like maybe you're fine this month but like are we all going to be sheltering in place next month yeah i mean i live in los feliz so i'm i'm in la and and yeah i i I think i think you're right i mean the hardest thing is like knowing how long this is going to last because you can't like have the expectations are like all over the place and you're hearing reports like oh we're gonna need like 18 months like i've heard that i've read that in the news and it's like that's like that's absurd and you know or then people are like oh we need a full lockdown for a month and like people are just talking and it's like no it would be nice if we just had like some expectations but um you know it's it's hard to to plan i mean even even though like it's such an adjustment even for me and like I'm like in a relative I'm in like a good situation compared to a lot of people but even that's like <laughs> like what is going on one guy who I work with a lot uh, Ed who's been on the show he's just making deck after deck after deck that's like what he's spending his time on and so like the idea is like when we're done with this quarantine that he can send these decks to different companies because I think things are going to get back to, to to normal I mean or whatever like back and running sometime like i can't imagine that this is really going to go on past june at the latest right like we must have this figured out by know. then i mean the issue is that like schools at least in new york because all my coworkers are you know in new york and dc and they were saying that schools shut down until most likely will shut down until next year like until september so there's like all right. of these parents are are now trying to figure out how to work and how to take care of their kids for like the next several months, like not just a week, but just like, and then how are they going to pay yeah. for camp or how are they going to like, I, I think that's what's insane is like the, the snowball effect of like one decision that like financially reverberates throughout an entire culture. Like it's just nuts. But I actually wanted to ask how, how is everyone getting through like, 
artistically? Like, what are you watching to stay inspired? Or like, what are you doing so you don't get too much anxiety or too much panic? Well, I'm playing a lot of video games with my wife. <laughs> We've been playing Mario like uh, every night, which has been really fun. Um, Mario has been helping me uh, exploring different kingdoms. Uh, we just got to the Mushroom Kingdom yesterday. That was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so that's one thing I'm doing. I'm also watching, um, Narcos Mexico and I'm watching Altered Carbon season two. Um, I just finished the outsider, which was really great. Um, I was going to watch outbreak, but then we played Mario instead. Um, I don't know. Oh wait, I have to tell you a quick story about outbreak. My, all my coworkers are like in their mid twenties and my youngest coworker, I think is 23 and sorry, our intern is like 23 and she comes to us during a check in and she's like, guys, have you heard of this movie called Outbreak? It's with Dustin Hoffman and I almost died. And she's like, it's like a monkey is like spreading disease. I just like, do you not remember how important this movie was and how like it traumatized <laughs> all of us? Like, I don't know. Like, I was so in shock that she was just being introduced to it. That that movie freaked me out as a kid, and like I used to, I used to really follow the Ebola stuff t- because I read the book yes. The Hot Zone when I was like yes. twelve, and I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. I don't know, like what 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 can we be doing during this time? Like I think you know, writing seems like a really great time to write stuff because you don't need to be with people to do that. Like I'm actually probably better to be like locked away to write for for most people. So I don't know. That's something I wish I was doing more of as writing. Um, but Andrew, I mean, you're writing so much for both of your jobs. Have you been doing any creative writing of your own during this time? I mean, I have, like, I, I finished a, a script a couple of weeks ago and I need to get that out to competitions. And, um, I'm kind of at this point in my writing where the last year has been like a lot of re like educate, like new education, new, like really a lot of studying and thinking a lot about story, like like character like really in my head a lot I need to like reconnect to like just like inspiration creative stuff I think how I want to use this time is basically to get my work done and you know have fun with it and then completely unplug and just listen to records and like draw and I think I just need to like explore and like take time to be creative because I get so take things so seriously like this last script that I just finished like I'm happy with it but um at the same time, I'm like, I take it so seriously, like I'll like lose sleep over it. Like, <laughs> like it's not worth like, and it's just me. It's just pressure I put on myself. I need to like back off a little bit. But it means you care. That's so fantastic that there's something that you care about that much. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And I and I'm happy for that. And like, I, I am it just I, I also, you know, would like to write something that I can have a little bit of fun with, I think. And the, the Cartoon Network stuff's great for that. But, um, you know, I also have a book that I wrote last year that I'm in the middle of rewriting. And I just kind of, yeah, I just, I want to stay busy and keep it a little loose because everything's so serious right now. Just like the prospect of going to the store is like, you know, like, oh my God, I'm going (laughs) to die. Like, I I want like, you know, a little bit of space to like have a little bit of fun. That's awesome. I just wanted to plug um, my lifestyle, which just seems very different to everyone else's, but it's really shitty 90s action films um oh, that's what i saw I, your post on I facebook love yeah love that oh my gosh all right give me give me three okay well give i'm new to this I, I mean like so my partner is like a, you know a 
very big fan of the genre. So I've already been introduced to a lot of these in the past. So we're dipping into real campy ones. So we started with Mortal Kombat and I just like really loved it. Um, I love Mortal Kombat. But, right? Uh, okay, so but so then good. I saw Mortal I Kombat 2. I watched that once 2. a year. <laughs> yeah, so it's amazing. But Mortal Kombat 2 like really blew me out of the water because I loved it even more because it's you so... You liked Annihilation? Oh, Because it was so bad. Yeah. It was so bad. <laughs> so, so bad. So bad. It's really bad. I loved it. Um, and then we went to Time Cop, which I very much enjoyed. And actually noticed a lot of similarities between time cop and my movie speed of life and i really and i really wish i watched time cop before i made speed of life um that's funny so then we dipped into um a not so great one we watched uh street fighter which i'm um, now currently in a twitter conversation with strangers street (laughs) fighter has so much wonderful things about it it's about Raul Julia's last performance. He's I so great him. as M. Bison. Oh, I so love fun. him, so but fun. it feels like a movie that was supposed to be a comedy, but it was directed as a straight action film. Like the, <laughs> the script is a comedy. The script is hilarious, but then yeah. there's like nothing is played for laughs. Like I'm very confused by this movie. Um, I, I watched it a couple of years ago again after you know watching it as a kid a bunch, uh, and I still I, I enjoyed it. There was there was there was some fun in there, man. You know. Uh, Van Damme is Guile. Come on. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I'm Perfect very into casting. Van Damme right now because of, again, like a Time Cop was like, oh, Van Damme is great. Like, and I saw JCVD yeah. and I'm like, oh, you can act. Like, you're a solid human. Have, have you seen Hard Target yet? You got to see Hard no. Target. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Do you think, yeah, you is that next? Target. Is that? Yes. Yes. Okay. So John, John Woo's first American film, I think. Oh, you're going to love it. If you love uh, Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation and Time Cop, like this is going to just make you so happy. Well, we were looking for something else to do because what we did instead is I just went into nostalgia. So we watched um, Three Men and a Little Baby next. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so we're three, going three, wrong three the place. Men and a Little Baby. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my my default right now is like, um, just going places safe and warm. Like we've been getting cookie delivery. I've been wearing mm. my Wonder Woman pants and we're watching these Van Damme films. And like for me, that's like this is a safe world to be in when you're scared of going outside and you're scared of everything else that's going on. Like go, like if Padding, if I hadn't seen Paddington 2 like 5,000 times, we'd be watching it right now. I've heard that movie's great. I don't know. I've never seen Paddington or Paddington Two. So Whoa! I don't know. Should I should I do that today? Should I, I will watch, watch Hard Target, movies? like regardless of whether you, you know, fill, fulfill your end of the bargain. But I'd like you to watch Paddington Two in exchange. Only Paddington Two, not Paddington One. I just skipped to Paddington Two. Well, they're both fantastic, but I think Paddington Two is superior. Yeah, I think it's superior. Andrew, do you have but- Paddington feelings? Do you have thoughts? Well, I've heard from like everybody that they're great and like Jordan, you know, my writing partner, let's say he, I mean, he is said like you should watch Paddington one and two. So oh wow, everybody okay. says it. All right. Paddington on, on the docket. Uh, see if I can convince my wife to watch Paddington with me. So I want to say one thing, Andrew, which I thought was interesting that you talked, you talked about your own personal script, giving you so much anxiety and like losing sleep over it and everything. But when you write for a cartoon network and it's a job and you're like, you're getting to do the thing that you want to do with your life for money for this company. 
Like you don't have anxiety over that kind of writing like that. I think to me, that would give me more anxiety. It's like, oh, my gosh, like, am I going to get fired? Like, am I, are they going to hate me? Like, are they going to hate my writing? Like, I think those are the kind of thoughts I would have if I had that kind of job, but not for you. You know, I actually have no anxiety about the Cartoon Network stuff at all because for some reason I have zero anxiety about it. I just have fun with it. The script stuff, I don't know. I put so much pressure on myself on features that it's just one area that's been that's particularly hard for me sometimes um, to like let go of. And if it's only with feature films, okay, it's only with that. It's not with book. It's not with anything else. And I think it just comes from like if I had to guess, it's like years of you know, making the two features where back in the day where that was like my entire life and everything, all my money, everything was riding on it. And now I'm trying to like shift, not not step out of the indie scene necessarily, but I'm, I'm sort of shifting focus in terms of where I'm trying to put work. And I, I just put so much pressure on myself that, um, yeah, I, I'll lose sleep over it, especially after I've sent it off to like my writing group and I'm getting notes and, um, you know, the subject matter's kind of dark and I don't know how people are going to take it or, so there's just a lot of anxiety around it, which I'm trying to like really look at and like move away from it and let things flow. But I don't feel like that with, with any other work. I just go in and do it and like have fun. So. Well, cause you're exposed, you're vulnerable. You're not hiding behind, not like you're hiding behind Cartoon Network, but you're not like put behind the brand. You are the brand when you're writing the scripts. And that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And it's also like, when yeah, exactly. Like you're working with a team and you know that like there's going to be a lot of eyes on it, which is, which is actually good in that context because the more, the more input on something like that just makes it all stronger. And you're all like, I feel like I'm there to help them. Right. Like I'm, I'm there to help them get a story out and craft something good. And I'm kind of it's different when it's like, I feel like with a script, it's like, oh, this is all on me, and like this is supposed to be like a calling card, and like I, I there's just I have such a different mindset around it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to hide behind, and also when you're dealing with stuff that's like on a spec that's really personal, that yeah, you're I'm like super exposed, and I'm never I've always been someone who like hides, right? So. Um, coming like stepping out and putting something out there especially when it's very dark and very specific and you don't know how people are going to take it that does freak me out um which you know i don't have to deal with like you said with with this other stuff i mean i know that we're towards the end of the conversation but let's make some sort of like covid19 vow for our personal work, <laughs> maybe like so maybe we check in in a week or in two weeks and we each have something that we want to get completed while we're on lockdown. Does that sound OK? I mean, yeah. it sounds horrible, but also why not? Sure, uh, okay. <laughs> so, oh, Rick, you go first. OK, so I want to have um, at least at least two thirds of the movie edited within by two weeks from now um, and like kind of getting towards the end of the film, towards the end scenes. And in addition to that, I'd like to have 20 pages written on my current feature that I'm writing. Uh, Andrew, you go. Okay. Two weeks. What I would like to have done would be to have chosen uh, the next feature that I'm going to write and have it fleshed out at least so that I know what I'm going to write. And, I would like to 
probably have rewritten uh, two or three chapters. Oh, actually, two weeks. Yeah, let's say three or four chapters of the book. Okay. In two weeks, I want to have watched Hard Target. And um, that's most important. <laughs> um, I mean, that is one thing I'd like to have done. And then the other thing, yeah, there's more, um, is I think I need to read my third feature script, not the one I'm shooting in June, but the because I didn't write that, but the script that I it's called Sex and Jesus. And I just haven't read it uh, because I'm just really afraid to look at it. I've just been hiding oh, wow. it away and just because I know it's not good enough. And then I don't want to be like confronted with that yet. Um, but I think the plan is to read it and then to start outlining a new script that maybe can be like improv based. So like to start outlining a beat sheet for a new script that's a little bit more fluid um, because this is the feature that I want to make like with friends and family over weekends. Um, so those are my to-do list items. Oh, the, the, uh, the improv-y features, what you want to do with friends and family over weekends? Yeah, 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 for Sex and Jesus, yeah. Oh, which is Sex and Jesus. Yeah, same okay. thing, same thing. I just wrote uh, a script and it's not, I know it's not good enough, but the concept I'm really proud of. So uh. I... I want to face it. I'm going to face it, guys. And then not to take this conversation too outwards because it's so cheesy. But like if anyone listening, why don't you do something like that right now? And you think of like one thing you want to get done during the rest of this global pandemic. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) report it back to us via Twitter. Possibly. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And on that note, I think we should wrap it up. But uh, yeah, I don't know. For all those out there who are twiddling their thumbs, there are things to be done. Like, you you know, it's time for a creative project. You know, build build something. If you haven't written something in a long time, maybe write something. If you, uh, you know, got something that's been, you know, you've been ignoring that needs a, a re-edit, uh, re-edit it. Work on your reel. There's so many things you could be doing. I, I would basically just like treat this time as like another version of the winter, you know, like when it's slow. Just do the things that you didn't get done during this last winter. I know I didn't do anything. So, uh, yeah, there's so much, so many things to do. But, yeah, so that's our show. Thanks so much for Andrew uh, for joining us to talk about the scary times with the coronavirus. Again, if you guys want to check out more about the show, you can go to our website at www.makingmoviesisheart.com. You can find me on Twitter at AlricB. Uh, and uh, my movie, The Alternate, uh, is at Alternate Film One on Twitter and on uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's just The Alternate Film. And Liz, where, where should people go to find more out about you? LizManichel.com um, and LizManichel on Twitter. Andrew, where can people find you? Where, where should people go if they want to know more about you and the work that you do? AndrewJSchrader.com. And if you go to the free section, uh, you can sign up for my newsletter and get a. Uh, ebook for free of 13 very weird short stories and uh, you can also find me on Facebook it's just Andrew Schrader you can find my uh, personal page and friend me there awesome well thanks for uh, for being on the show man this has been a lot of fun and uh, yeah Liz thank you again thank you yeah thank you for having me